Welcome to Hope Ahead, a journey of infertility. My name is Naomi Ripstein. And this is Ryan Ripstein. And this is our story and struggle of trying to conceive. We hope and pray that by sharing our experiences and trials, we will bring glory to God, awareness to infertility, and also be encouraging to others. And just a reminder, this is our story and it personal experiences. We are not offering medical advice. Well, we hope you enjoy the discussion and thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome back to episode four of Hope Ahead. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're going to kind of start off this um, discussion with a little bit of just recent things that have happened. So um, we are proud owners of two dogs. Um, but that is now sadly one. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost our 14 year old black lab, uh, a little over a week ago. And so some of, you know, like you've been with us a long time, me particularly, cause he kind of joined us in yeah. the wedding, you know, and, yeah. um, it's just been one of those things to where not only was it hard losing him and like, um, you know, letting go of just that certain time of having him as my pet. But also it just registered with me that like we've been trying now for four years and I hoped that our dog was going to be a part of our kids' lives. And now that's not an option. And, you know, honestly, he needed more care over the past year, particularly. So a blessing in disguise because, you know, maybe we would have um, had to do something different if if we had got pregnant. Right. Yeah. And so I've had that thought. Yeah. Yeah. It would, have, it would have been very difficult for us, for you mm-hmm. in particular, um, just being, you know, his primary caregiver, right? right? You were, you're home right. most of the time. So having to deal with him, he was, he was a handful. Yeah. A lot. I mean, for the, like the last year. Yeah. I mean, was, yeah, he's a great dog, but it was getting more and more difficult. So, yeah. But yeah, it just kind of registered with me. Like I said, just how we plan out how things are going to go and Mm -hmm. then life continues on and we still don't have that child and whether we don't get to share them with a beloved pet or a beloved family member or beloved friends and you know there's definitely people I'm sure you guys can relate to that you would want your future child to have met already and that are no longer with us Mm -hmm. so um yeah just really kind of registered with me again that I'm like here we are yeah still waiting and yeah you know and it's just like you know the the hardships of life I think is kind of what like you've been talking about that it's really highlighted for you and how much you know we got to keep reminding ourselves that it's God's plan Mm -hmm. not our plan right yeah so so um we're gonna go ahead and pray to just mm -hmm. start off this episode and really just set in the intention of you know, we're sorry for if you've had any loss or anything like that. And just know that God cares for you and mm-hmm. he cares for us. And, you know, he's with us through it all, regardless of the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for today. And thank you for a chance to share our story again in episode four. We just pray for you to speak through us and let us be clear. And please just be with all your listeners and let this um, help them and um, just continue to remind them they're not alone on this journey. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Um, so there is a bit of frustration in this episode. Um, yeah. We are starting off with trying like 
uh, some rounds at Clomid and then going into essentially the fertility clinic, so the RE's office, a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, so I'd just be curious if you guys, once you watch this, if, if you're on this journey or if you know someone on this journey, if you could kind of share like at what point in your trying to conceive journey did you feel that frustration really kick in? Was it early? Was it after yeah. a little bit of time? You know, because I feel like we're all different because we have those hopeful moments. And then after a certain point of time, we're just like, why isn't this working? Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to do. It kind of ties back to like what we talked about, how we're usually have been told everything checks out and it should be mm -hmm. easy or to get this pregnant. And this will work. Right. Try this. Right. Um, so starting off, we're going to finish off where episode three left off. We were going into 2021. Um, my OB, unfortunately, had gotten COVID. And so we were waiting for that appointment in that was supposed to be in January, but now it's in March. Right. And um, she went ahead to go ahead and she's, she says what, what they call like a round of Clomid. So essentially it can be one, but normally in like the medical field, at least from what she told me, they will do three rounds to see if any of those three rounds get you pregnant. Um, and on the first round, they will bring you in, check your progesterone to make sure that dose is appropriate. So, so a round then is the same as your cycle. Like, like yes, the length yes. of your cycle yes, is one, one round, round. Is one whole cycle. And then they usually do three cycles in a row or three rounds in a row. Right. But you're not obviously not taking the medication the whole month. It's um, set normally, we, we were told to do it on days five through nine of my cycle. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, what it does is it tricks the brain thinking you don't have estrogen being production produced. And so, estrogen is very important for getting that rate. That, gosh, I can't speak, that mm -hmm. egg ready to rupture and release for fertilization. So when the brain thinks there's not enough estrogen, what does it do? It ramps up all the parts that need Makes to produce more. estrogen mm. to really get stuff going. So um, in a sense, it's really trying to improve the chances of ovulation. And so there is um, a little bit of a risk of um, ovarian stimulation which or ovarian torsion, um, which is just where it would get so big and it could twist on itself or you could get cysts and different things like that. So there are precautions when taking these various types of medicine. Um, letrozole and Clomid are the main two okay. um, ovulation yeah. medications. Um, so, and you can also, some doctors may have you take Clomid on um, an earlier time of your cycle. I actually looked it up to see what the difference was. If you take it earlier on in your cycle, I think it's days three through seven, you get a lot more follicles, but they're not necessarily mature and you want mature mm. follicles, right? So you may be increasing your chances of having twins or triplets or whatever, but it may not be successful. And then if you do five through nine, that also could increase um, a chance of multiple eggs, but it's really working on mature or working on mature eggs. Okay. So that's why they do like, you get more chances of a mature egg later on. So, okay. um, and so when we were talking about this with my OB and everything, she's like, I'll do that. Let's do it. You know, since everything else checked out, she's mm -hmm. like, but after this, I'll just let you know that I'm going to recommend you go to a fertility clinic. And I'm like, okay. And you know, but I'm optimistic and hopeful and Ryan here always likes things in twos. So we were kind of joking about like, Oh, there's a good chance twins, for twins. You know? Yeah. And I'm sure that's played through your guys' mind if you've been on any of these medications or just in general. But um, 
So we started the first round in April of uh, 21, and by this time I was using the clear blue um, luteinizing hormone um, test strips. Detector yeah. test strips. Yeah, and that was the one where you get either a blank face, a blank circle, a smiley face, solid, which means you're getting high, and then a flashing, which means it's go time. Yep. And so um, very easy to use. They were a little more on the expensive side. Mm -hmm. but, and um, I remember that round, I got my first positive smiley face on 17. And we were out camping, and I was like, well, we got to get it done. And yeah. thankfully, Ryan obliged. And, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> we um, got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing that's so funny because it's like, you know, whether you're using temperature, whether you're monitoring through cervical mucus, whether you're using the LH strips, it's like, it's pretty funny to when you get that one positive thing or that indication that you're looking for and you're like, okay, husband, you know, let's go, it's go time, you know, mm -hmm. no messing around. And um, so that was kind of, in our sense, what we did for, you know, April, May, and June. And um, like I said, I, in April, I had the progesterone drawn to make sure the dose was good and everything was fine. Um, and my OB had mentioned too, you know, since we had had the miscarriage and she thought maybe it was an indication of low progesterone since it had lasted a little bit, like six and a half weeks. She's like, so next time when you do get pregnant, she's like, come in right away. She's like, I don't care, you know, call or just show up. She's like, let's check your progesterone and see if we need to do it right. to supplement start tracking right. stuff like that mm -hmm. which, which i appreciated you know and and like the progesterone for those of you that don't know um comes from the corpus luteum so it's like after the egg is released that then turns into the corpus luteum and that produces progesterone all the way through until either your egg gets implanted and it's even implanted into you for up to 12 weeks it, mm -hmm. the corpus luteum can continue to produce progesterone just to keep the um the embryo and everything um like growing healthy and all the right for, nutrients yeah. and signals and to your body that, that yeah over. so okay. but if that doesn't occur there's no fertilization then obviously after that within that two weeks essentially it'll drop off and the corpus luteum just shrivels up and disappears kind of thing and that's mm -hmm. when then your cycle starts um so my progesterone thankfully was fine um, but I've since learned from all the things like how that can even be a variable, you know, from you, moment to moment yeah. throughout the day. Like yeah. They're like, you could have great progesterone in the morning and you come and check it two hours later and it's already lower. And so, I mean, obviously getting your blood drawn is a good indication, but like I said, that can even vary day by day. So, mm -hmm. um, but we got that done, knew that the dose was right and we continued to do, April, May, and then into June. So April, May were a bust. Um, and then June, I was hopeful. Uh, I don't know if you remember it. This is when we were going up to West Virginia for my mom's 65th birthday. Yep. And then we had kind of tacked on a couple of extra trips. We were going to go up to Maine because he had never been and um, wanted to show him that area. And I remember us being on the road and like my cycle was a little longer and I was starting to feel a little nauseous, right? And I think this was one of those indications, once again, to where you're like, oh, this is a different symptom. Maybe, but no, it could also just be a symptom of your periods coming in yep. this year. Um, so I remember I was drinking ginger ale and everything, and then Aunt Flo came on day 32, 
And then it was a really short cycle. It only lasted a couple of days, which was also really weird. So, um, but I was getting annoyed with like the symptoms because I remember I'm like, this is different. And then it ended up being, no, my cycle is here. And so I'm like, well, this is just dumb. Why do we, <laughs> you know, I look on Google, I do it to myself, but. It's a vicious cycle. It, it's a yes. Vicious cycle. Yeah. Another you spend thing. a lot of time looking into, right? Because like we've talked about up until now, it's like you're trying to figure out why and you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out what needs to change and mm -hmm. how to fix it and all these things. So you're studying and studying, studying and looking up all these things. And second guessing. Different, you're like, well, maybe that really wasn't that. Is it this instead? Yeah. Like different stuff to try, different supplements to right. take, all the things. Right. And then you get this new symptom and you're like, aha, it has mm -hmm. worked. Mm -hmm. And then it's just another indication, like you said, either <laughs> it's a symptom of either getting your period or not getting your right. period. Right, right. One of those two things is true. Yeah. Always. <laughs> well, and even so, like when I had mentioned in the miscarriage video, one of my first symptoms was sore breasts. And, but, you know, I had been on birth control for the year or so prior to that. So my symptoms, I wasn't used to having that because now um, that's a very common thing for me. It's like pretty mm -hmm. much as soon as I ovulate, my breasts will be sore until my cycle comes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't use that as an indication. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, well, it's just what it is. Hormones, I mean, progesterone causing it, you know. I mean, really what we've come to, I think, is that the only indication that you're pregnant is missing your period yeah. and testing positive yeah. for pregnancy. And it's like, and how often do you have to you know, we all want to test early and there's nothing there. And so then it's like, you have to really wait for your missed period, which could be sometimes even like a few days to a week after that you finally yeah. get positive, yeah. which kills you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things I've learned too, since we're talking about symptoms is that, did you guys know that period symptoms aren't normal? They are normally an indication that your hormones are off. Generally speaking, if you have like a healthy hormonal balance and everything like that, you really should not have any period symptoms. Um, like any, like all the symptoms are not normal or not all of them I think, are normal? I think the only ones that I could logically explain, I mean, obviously feeling a little fatigued because you are losing blood in a sense and you are maybe a little bloating because you are shedding a lining. So there is trauma still happening. But like back it shouldn't pain, be. headaches, even the sore breast area, um, cramping, nausea, like those are all symptoms that you really should not have because it means your hormones are off. Hormones, and okay. And I, I have had cycles to where my periods have been amazing. And since going through this journey and I've been working on regulating things, even though I thought I was pretty normal. Mm. Um, but I mean, there's been some where like, I didn't even know my cycle was coming because I didn't have any cramps. I didn't have any bloating and maybe a little, um, after the second day or something, some bloating, but then other than that, I was fine. And so I was like, Whoa, so I then did not even realize that just made me think then. So like the symptoms that we were just joking about either meaning that you are pregnant or you're not. Mm -hmm. This would mean that there should be indications that you're pregnant. Well. And that it's not your period, but it could also still be if like your hormones are out of balance, then they, then it's messed from up. From what I have learned, and I just recently did like a fertility seminar that I was able to kind of watch with a bunch of different um, educated um, trainers and stuff like that. They did mm -hmm. like an eight week course called um, Fertility Fearless and Free. Um, but 
evidently you should know probably about a week before your cycle's starting if you have any symptoms to know that your hormones maybe weren't the best for that cycle. Um, so of course, a lot of things are with diet or different things that you could do to regulate your hormones, whether supplements, red light therapy, castor oil packs, um, just different things like that, just to try to help like your filtration, right? Because if your circulation is good and you get rid of stagnant blood, you're not going to have the cramps. Your hormones are going to be flowing more freely and not be building up or being too much because they'll be filtering out. So all of those things now that I've learned, I'm like, that makes so much more yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, after we did the three rounds of Clomid, um, we weren't successful and we had to schedule the appointment with the RU's office, which essentially is an office for IUI, the interuterine insemination, or IVF, the in vitro fertilization. That's like yeah. their specialty, where we thought maybe they would give us a little bit more information about kind of what was going on. Mm -hmm. But I know we've mentioned before, essentially, now we know that when you walk into an office like that, if you've been that, you kind of have that experience, they just assume that's what you're there for. Yeah. They don't assume that you're there to try to figure out what is going on, how to get you pregnant naturally. They just assume you're there for one of those treatments. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to be fair to them, um, if it was not the 20% unexplained, mm -hmm. I think part of the process doing IUI or IVF mm -hmm is like they'll tell you this is why you're having trouble mm -hmm. but like with us and others in that group of the 20 percent that have trouble getting pregnant that is unexplained if that's the case they don't further investigate right to check so right. that's the frustration they, with us is that yes. they're not interested in investigating why if it's not apparent right but they, right. they do do investigative things like we um, had like blood drawn and they they do still do a transvaginal ultrasound to like look at your ovaries, right. look at everything. So they are so looking the, yeah. for problems. This is not to say like right. they're right. just going to start yeah. doing IV. I just wanted to be clear. Yeah. We're frustrated. And well, yeah, frustrating. yeah, we're frustrated with the process because the answer that we got was not satisfying, mm -hmm. right? It didn't help us really understand what's going on. Yeah. And we, in particularly you, my love, <laughs> want to know what's going on. Yes, I want to. <laughs> so, I am a problem solver. Yes. I don't always just ex or, um, accept what someone says unless I've been well-educated on it and researched. Yeah. Um, I mean, Which has been, a, I mean, something you've had to balance yeah. going through all this whole thing. Yeah. So. So with all this, with the RE and, you know, you go in, they're like, okay, everything checks out. We don't know why you're not getting pregnant. Let's do IVF. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where the frustration was and unsatisfied with the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we, even just going into the office, like I said, if you guys have been there, then you understand. But for those of you who have never been in this office, um, at least in our location, so we are in the Houston area, but there were so many women in and out of that waiting room. I mean, be bopping through. They'd be like mm -hmm. calling people in and out. And a lot of them weren't there even with a spouse. So I don't right. even know what they were there for, routine. Were they just doing yeah. blood work? Were they talking through something, you know, about their next round? What right. Were they, doing? Were they just but, there for like the next 
right. checkup and right. shots right. and there hormones. Were, there were a couple that were like newly pregnant. I could kind of see because normally the RE will follow with you. I think until month four. I could be wrong, so don't. What is that? Um, Twelve weeks. That's sixteen 10, weeks. Sixteen weeks. Yeah, okay. They normally pass it off to the OB, but it could be sooner than that. So okay. Don't quote me. Something that. like that. Um, but I was just so amazed at all these women because I had no idea and this is like no passing on judgment but I'm like I was already upset that I had to be there so I couldn't even imagine the amount of physical and emotional like heaviness or pain or anything that these women were going through just because they were sitting there and they were sitting there by themselves so I was very grateful to have Ryan there with me yeah um, and you know so I mean if you have friends that are going through it I mean maybe offer to go yeah. It's with them if their spouse or their partner can't go with them because it can be a lot. You it know? can be Some a lot. Some women yeah. are probably way, still way better than I am. but uh, Or they were further into the yeah. like process. Yeah. After 10 weeks, does it become routine and you're just like, hey, I'm going to go in for 10 are, minutes. And, you are being constantly monitored. I mean, they're yeah. doing blood draws it's in and out. checking your hormones. So you really are, it's a commitment. Yeah. And so that could be part of the thing too is they're not going to drag them their significant other away from just to do another blood work or whatever. Right. Maybe they can't get away from yeah. work, all these kind of things. So, so I think for us, you know, we've been fortunate with my job where I can, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. take some time to be there with you. Yeah. I want to, of course, obviously, but, but, um, you know, I think some also don't have that. Yeah. And that freedom. Just, that brings you know. back the other thing too, right? I mean, just in our society, if you're going through, infertility how many of your jobs or your employers do you talk about it with so that they right. can give you a little more leeway or those that you don't and you kind of just are always running back and forth right. trying to make those shifts or right um but anyway just you know the people in and out so it just seemed very mechanical to me maybe a little um very efficient yeah. but that was where we kind of got a little bit of um i guess i don't really want to say the word like cold feeling but just we didn't really feel, it was very robotic and yeah. mechanical and yeah you just didn't really more feel, like a number instead uh, of a cared about person yeah. yeah yeah um so we did meet with the re and he was a really nice guy he's very educated he was younger um pretty close to your age i think it seemed like um and i would consider myself young yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but he said he'd been doing it for over 10 years, you know, so they do really go to school for this. And this, being an RE, a reproductive endocrinologist, is a specialty. Um, and if you're, you know, endocrinologist is someone that studies like hormones and everything. So reproductive endocrinologist studying of the fertility hormones. So it is a, a really explicit specialty mm -hmm. in that sense. So he, he definitely knew what he was talking about. Um, he did talk to us and... Even though we were in the 20% of infertility because of our age um, at the time, I was 36, so you were 41. Um, and, you know, now he put us into like a 10% category. Like a 10% chance of chance getting pregnant naturally. on our own. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. And, um, but if we did IVF, those results significantly improved to 60 to 65%. Yeah. And so, of course, sounds great you know you put us in a 10 percent category now we mm -hmm. just jump up 50 percent well, shoot right mm -hmm. um we did talk to him about iui but he just said well that's just essentially timed in a course and he's like and that's obviously not working for you guys mm -hmm. so i would just recommend ivf mm -hmm. and so um we and he, he did say even too just based on what 
he saw and what we were talking about. He's like, you guys are great candidates. You know, I think this will, I don't know if he said easy, but he's like, I think this will be something that will really work in your favor and, you know, all this stuff. And so he was very optimistic, but then that still brought to the question of why, why are we getting yeah. pregnant naturally? Why didn't it right? happen? Then? Yeah. Um, so that was just another frustration, but he wanted me to come back in August um, to on day three of my cycle that's when they will do a vaginal ultrasound to like look at my ovaries to see which one ovulated to check like they measure the size and everything like that that way they have for comparison and future things when they check stuff out to make sure for cysts um make sure for size because the tech even told me that at the time whatever mine was that they wanted it essentially to get three times the size um because and that would be from stimulation from um, fertility medication so that I, if I would decide to do IVF and do a retrieval, they really want to pump the ovary up one or the other, whichever one is going to ovulate. Um, and that way then they can go in and retrieve the most eggs. So they're just kind of like supercharging. Mm -hmm. Um, but we got blood drawn. I think, I think you got blood drawn. I don't remember. I was one kind of, of reviewing. Did, Cause they did genetic testing on us as well. Right. That was part of the process to see if there was anything that we had markers for. Yeah. I don't recall. They might have in the same, that time. Exactly. They took you, they, they took, took a lot, lot from you. Yeah. They took a lot of blood. I think they might like have. Piles or something. But, um, yeah. but I was pretty amazed. I was like, Ooh, I'm surprised I have anything left, you know, but they were really good and efficient again. I mean, they were just snapping those vials off and stuff and trying to talk to me so that I wasn't looking at all this blood leaving. My yeah. <laughs> Getting lightheaded. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing all these blood tests. We're taking all these, um, are we do they're going to be testing for all these things and really just see where my hormones are at. I mean, they did, they were doing like a whole panel on me, like my thyroid, uh, prolactin, my FSH, my LH, estrogen, progesterone, um, my vitamin D, you know, all the things that essentially help lead to a successful pregnancy. And they wanted to see where I was at. And like I said, the genetic testing, mm -hmm. whether it was that time or the same time, mm -hmm. both got tested and we did come back, you know, normal. There were some things on my side that were a recessive thing, but, you know, he didn't have it. So there was no chance we would have passed it off anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so now it was the wait and see. Yeah. The wait and see what our results are. The wait and yeah. see if we move forward with this. Well, yeah. You know, what other yeah. options we have. And this is kind of when we talked with each other too and we had the additional questions right because not not yet we well during this time yeah. while we were waiting to see what yeah. what was going to happen next right yeah. so yeah um so and so much of this just it's, trying to conceive just a, is, wait and see mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. see what happens see what the next cycle brings you know um so on a separate side note if those of you that are looking into IVF um, or IUI, you know, we'll tell you in the next couple episodes kind of what we decided to do and where we were headed. And um, mm -hmm. But I did recently just talk to a friend um, that she just had her little miracle baby um, back in March, I believe. And she unfortunately had to do six rounds of IVF. Um, they were unsuccessful with their own eggs. And embryos, they, embryos sorry, mm -hmm. and they had to move on to donor embryos. And 
that was something that was really sweet and special to hear because yeah. when we were even in the clinic, you know, they talk about, they, the doctor had pretty much told me um, that he thought I was just born with more eggs just based on where my um, AMH is. And, you know, and you all know those numbers can fluctuate. So, I mean, it's good to hear, but I mean, who knows if it's truly factual. Right. Um, but anyway, we were told they were like, yeah, we could retrieve a lot. And, and then, you know, what goes through your mind, you know, is that what if they are all healthy and you're able to make embryos from all of those and you're able only to transfer so many. And I'm like, I don't want to be abandoning my children if I have, we have a bunch left over. And yeah. Stuff. Um, and so then they had said, they're like, well, you can put them, you can donate them, put them up for adoption. And that was just kind of crazy to hear. But talking to this friend, it really gave me a different perspective because it was a way that it was able to bless her and her husband and start their family. And I really appreciated her sharing that story with me and, yeah. and seeing a different perspective to how they are great parents and this child is their child. You know, it's just the same thing essentially as an adoption. Mm -hmm. She was able to carry this little boy yeah. and bond with him in that experience. Yep. So, but um, she ended up going to, the reason I wanted to share it is, um, IVF is expensive, you guys. I'm sure you know. IUI is even expensive, but IVF is expensive. We thankfully, you know, found out for some of our insurance stuff that we were blessed that it wouldn't be terrible for us to do it if we decided to move forward. But um, uh, she ended up going with CNY, and it stands for Central New York. Um, there are locations in Buffalo, Syracuse, and Albany. And she went to those three locations, but she did say the Buffalo lo location was the best. It was more relaxed. She... Um, was able to get an appointment easier, um, didn't feel as rushed. You know, she would even drive to go to that location, even though it was a little further away, just because it was better. Mm. Um, but she said that facility, just in general, they they have the donor embryos available, but the waiting list is long. So if that's something you're ever considering, get on the list now. Yeah. Um, but that they, um, for your first year, they do a $4,000 retrieval, which I think even with insurance is way more than that. I think it's like $16,000. Hmm. Um, and then you pay a percentage of that with your insurance. But theirs is $4,000 for a retrieval and then $700 for each transfer for your first year. After your first year, it does go up. But, you know, if you're able to do multiple transfers, then that's your better, uh, more efficient for your money. And I think it goes to $2,000 after that. So it does go back to the regular um, pricing. For the transfer. Yeah, because we okay. were told, I think it, I think it's like $15,000, $16,000 for the retrieval and then $2,000 for a transfer. Um, so here at this clinic, it's $4,000 for a retrieval, $700 for the first year for each transfer. And then $900 covers all of your blood work, medication, everything per cycle. I mean, mm -hmm. that is still per cycle, depending on how many you do. But that's also a good deal. So if you want to look them up, it's CNY, Central New York. Like I said, she said that Albany, Syracuse, and Buffalo locations were ones she visited, but Buffalo was the best. And um, these prices are July of 23. Yeah, so right. That's true. Future, if you're, if you're looking, watching yeah. this in the future, they might and have I mean, changed. And this was when she was even doing this back in 21 and 22, probably, too. So, okay. Um, because she got pregnant in 22 and just had her little boy in 23. She had said, too, so originally she, when she started her journey, she was um, diagnosed with ovarian dysfunction. But then after that got debunked, 
and she got switched to infertility, her insurance no longer paid. So they paid for a lot of her stuff under ovarian dysfunction. But once it was put to infertility, hmm. they stopped. Yeah, and I'm like, right. that's, that's messed up. That's that weird. is messed up. That's once again why we're doing this podcast. Bring awareness. Get it out there. That yeah. needs to be better funding. Because I, mean, I think insurance really should they, cover it. I mean, I mean, we're trying to um, better oh, wow. our health and do all these things to start a family. Yeah. So it's not... Anyway, yeah. I don't want to get all up in my we're, Yeah, little little <laughs> rabbit hole on that one. But um, so with ending this episode, once again... We are hopeful for what these blood results will say and give us a direction and a plan. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a few scriptures this time. They're short ones, so mm -hmm. kind of chose a few that relate. Um, and if you guys ever want to like read the Bible or get just scriptures, they, the Bible app is really awesome. Bible app is great. Um, we found all these scriptures because you can just search and type in a certain word, and it brings up all the yeah. scriptures that have that word in there or that topic or something. Yep. So. And for me personally, I like the Bible app um, because it'll read to me. I'm not – I don't consider myself the best reader. Uh, just I get – just Lost in my brain wanders and different <laughs> things like that. So having the app like read to me as I'm following along with the words is very helpful. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, do you want to read them? Or sure. Your... Yeah. So the first is Matthew six twenty seven, and it says, "Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying?" Nope. No. Yeah, we, but we do it a lot. We do it a lot. Yeah. It causes us more stress and it's easier to worry than to stop worrying. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives us that false sense of that we're doing something. We're doing something. Right? You're like, right. You're, like you're actually contributing towards, yes, yes, yeah. which it's not. It's not helpful. Yeah. yeah. So, and then Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I'll let you do the last one. And then Psalms 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what we continue to do. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It is tough. I think I. it's tough, but I really think it's easier than going through this without, without God. Yes, 100%. I, you know, having just that... Um, Hope in Him mm -hmm. is comforting. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what this would be like. I don't kind of want to know what it would be yeah. like to no. to have to go through this just the two of us. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll go ahead and close out in prayer. Yep. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, this experience that you're. Um, trusting us to go through and that uh, we're able to use this for your glory. Uh, we just pray that you'd bless us uh, during this time, bless the people that are watching or listening to this podcast, uh, bless those that are struggling through this as well, and we just hope and pray that they would uh, reach out to you for support and comfort and healing as they go through this as well uh, we just ask that you continue to bless uh, this work that we're doing mm -hmm. and we just thank you for everything you've given us all these things we pray in your name amen amen
Thanks, Thanks for very much. Us again, we really appreciate your love and support, and we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.